When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to another edition of Buckeye Talk. People are going to stop listening if you keep introducing the podcast that way. I'm trying my best to sound like Doug, who is now eating Chick-fil-A nuggets. He's got a tray. One. <laughs> he's, got, he's got one down. So Doug has this theory that Chick-fil-A nuggets are small and he could eat a million of them. Um, and he has an entire tray of 80 Chick-fil-A nuggets that is a catering tray, and he's going to try to can all of them on this podcast. And right now, when I'm looking at them, it doesn't... <laughs> it does not seem like that much, but maybe we're underestimating it a little bit. Bill, do you think you can do it? I do. I, I didn't think so. I didn't think I could do it at first, and I am a uh, much larger man than Doug is. Um, yeah, I think looking at it, it's it 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 manageable. It's, it's not all that daunting. Yeah, three. But everybody on Twitter who saw the picture of him holding the tray thinks he can't do it. So it'll be interesting. The to thing see about it. it is that this is timed a little bit. Like yeah, it's during the podcast. It's right. not open ended. Right, and if he. Keeps chomping like that. I don't even know if I'll be able to finish the podcast. And if he keeps counting, four. are you going to say the number like four per minute? Are you going to say the number every time? Because I think people might get tired of hearing. Like update it, like at like every ten. Yeah, no, I wanted to start. I wanted to get us off to a roaring start, but yeah, okay. I'm not going to be like sixty-one. Okay, so he's got five down. Um, but we're here if to you talk do four per minute. You're going to be done in halfway through the podcast. I, I think the idea is that the Twitter and tell everybody to suck it. <laughs> I wish you would have had more because if you get to 80 and you think you could still go, I think you should push it till you're pulverized. I don't know if we'll have that problem. That's a, that's like eight chicken breasts probably. More? Did you say this was Buckeye Talk? I just thought, <laughs> I don't know if people know what they're listening to. Uh, this is Buckeye <laughs> Talk, and we are going to talk while Doug eats. I think Bill and I are going to talk a little bit more. He usually dominates the podcast. You guys can use a break from him anyway. We're talking, you didn't talk in the last one because you were dying in the backseat. I, I don't have the flu anymore. I'm not on the backseat of a car that's like 95 degrees. With Anyway, the NFL-cation of Ohio State. Is Ohio State more NFL than other teams? Are they the most NFL team in the Big Ten? And what does that mean from a recruiting standpoint and a coaching standpoint? And I think we've got a lot to talk about while Doug eats. Bill, first of all, we did some, we did some research because we didn't want to start off the podcast without providing some numbers. Ohio State's got three full-time assistants that used to coach in the NFL, and one was a head coach. Where does that stack up in the Big Ten from what we looked at? Well, I thought it'd be crazy because, like, their defensive coordinator was a head coach in the NFL four years ago, and their linebackers coach was a defensive coordinator in the NFL two years ago. And then they have Ryan Day, who's the quarterback's coach, who was a quarterback's coach in the NFL last year. He was a quarterback's coach of the 49ers. And I thought, like, on the cert, like, in my head, like, there's no way anyone can top that. Well, a few teams did. Illinois has five 
coaches with NFL experience, including Lovey Smith, who was the head coach of the Chicago Bears, and now he's the head coach at Illinois. And I think part of the reason is is that when you are in the NFL, you bring, you bring people, NFL you know, guys with so you. that right. that makes which, sense. Which accounts for the other two that have more than Ohio State. And Illinois bragged when they hired uh, Lovey Smith about having more years of NFL head or uh, more NFL years of coaching experience than any other team in college football. So they're they're more NFL y technically than Ohio State. From that standpoint, yeah. The other two programs that have more assistants or more coaches with NFL experience are Michigan. Jim Harbaugh, obviously a former NFL head coach, and they have five total coaches, including Harbaugh. And then the other is Nebraska. And I think people forget that Nebraska head coach Mike Riley was once the head coach of the San Diego Chargers. Um, So he is a former NFL coach, the head coach in Nebraska now, and he has three assistants who have NFL experience. A couple of those guys are guys who were with him when he was in San Diego. So Illinois with five, Michigan with five. Nebraska with four, and then you have Ohio State and Wisconsin with three each in terms of NFL coaching experience in the Big Ten. Okay, so now we're going to talk about Ohio State and Doug's eating. What do you think, based on the research that we just did, they might not have the most numbers of assistants that have NFL coaching experience, but is Ohio State, from what we can tell and in our opinion, more or less NFL-y than other Big Ten teams? (sighs) I guess you can make the argument that they're less depending on how, like, I mean, I'm assuming Lovey Smith is trying to run Illinois as close as he can to the way he ran the Chicago Bears. And I don't know how all the minute differences, I guess, between running a college program and running an NFL franchise or running an NFL team. But if if someone were to present me with evidence that Lovey Smith's program is more NFL-ish from, I don't even know, like a day-to-day operation standpoint than Ohio State's. Maybe it is. Um, but I, I, in my head, I can't imagine Ohio State, just with the NFL experience it has, the way that Urban Meyer is turning this thing into a finely tuned machine, all the resources it has, I think the only one that probably rival Ohio State in terms of NFL-ness is Michigan. And I think that there is a difference between NFL coaching experience and those outlets that they have financially from just all the resources you just mentioned. Right. Because Ohio State has one of the biggest names because they have an assistant who was a head football coach, unlike the other two with Illinois and Michigan that has head coaches that were once NFL head coaches. But what they're doing with the recruiting team, what they're doing with the NFL draft, and what they're doing with the experiences altogether makes it seem more NFL-y to me. Yeah, because it's, it's not just – yeah, it's it's everything combined. And I think it's it, it's probably even more – Turning your recruiting room into an NFL war room and the fact that you're churning out NFL prospects right now at a rate higher than anyone in the country, I think, are the two things that would make it more of that, more so than just having a guy who was the San Diego Chargers tight ends coach for one year. All right, I ate 20 in six minutes. Wow. How, How do you are feel? Are you even kind of full? No, I feel, I feel like I haven't even started yet. I don't think this is a big deal. I mean, I don't think I'm going to keep up this pace, but I ate 20 in six minutes. And I didn't even feel it. I got the tray of 120, and I gave 20 to my 13-year-old and 20 to my 9-year-old, and they both got fries. And they both, the 13-year-old, they were gone before I even saw them. And the 9-year-old ate 20. And I'm, at, I'm three times her weight. So I should at least be able to eat 60. She has like bird bone. She has hollow <laughs> bone. She's tiny. She is a tiny... Fourth grader, and she ate 20-plus fries. 
So people on Twitter think I'm going to die if I eat 80, and I don't, I don't understand I don't that. know why they think you would die. <coughs> also, people are making comparisons to the McDonald's nuggets. Those are far more battered and bigger than yeah. these. These are lightly, lightly breaded. These are also real chicken. Um, but that's the whole thing. Yeah. Is that they are lightly breaded. Yeah. So what we like to do on the Ohio State podcast is preview things that we want to write to the people who are loyal enough to listen. We haven't written this yet, but I think part of what I'm going to try to do this spring is to get a little bit of an inside view of Ohio State's new and improved recruiting department. When Ohio State first started with Urban Meyer, they had Mark Pantone, and it was like him with a cell phone, and that was it. Now they have Pantone. They have, he has an, a direct assistant, and they have multiple video and graphics people working in their recruiting environment, room, office, whatever you want to call it, and they're making it like an NFL GM's office. And Mark Pantone mentioned on signing day that there are certain programs that have NFL or that have positions in their colleges that are called general managers. And I think Ohio State might be leading the charge of the advancement of how important and how deep the recruiting efforts go, whether it's film watching, whether it's recruiting tactics, and I think this all kind of goes into the NFL discussion. I think the the thing that goes most into it is is the scouting aspect of it. Right. NFL front offices don't have graphics people. At least, like, why would they? And there's not a really recruiting element. Just like to the it. expansion of no, no, the employee but I, total. But, but yes, I think you're like right. this is based off. Yeah. There are people now in Ohio State's recruiting room who are like, and I think like most people, people you wouldn't even think of as someone who would do this or have an eye for it, are breaking down film. They have people whose job is, is basically like all they do is watch high school tape and and develop their recruiting board because of that. And that's the NFL aspect of scouring because the Because NFL spends all year round with scouts. I have a friend I went to right. high school with. So the, his full-time job all year round is to either go to games and watch to break down film, and then now it's his busy time where they have guys who spend their entire year doing this. Right, and Ohio State can't send people to every high school game in the country. They're not allowed to because of NCAA rules, nor do they have the manpower. But people like I don't like what I don't even know what Tim Hinton, the former tight ends coach, I don't even know what his job title is. But he watches high school film. That's what like what he does. He watches high school film. He says, "Hey, go get this guy. I watched him on tape." I have an eye for this stuff because I'm an old football coach. And what we watch all the time and what we embed into the recruiting video or the recruiting posts that we do are highlight videos. From what I understand and what we have been told is that they watch the entire games. They want to see the bad plays and the good plays. Right. And I think that there is a certain level of familiarity you need to have to get good at that. But, like, these guys are sitting there watching games and separating them between Ohio State caliber players and not. And that's... What I understand is probably a year-round thing because it's not just the one class. It's into the future. So do you have any thoughts on NFL stuff or do you just want to keep eating? (coughs) I'm readjusting. 27. If you're slowing down already. Do you think it's fair? I think it makes sense to me. Do you think it would be fair to call Mark Pantone the GM of the Ohio State football team? Yes, I do. And it's one of those relationships, and it happens this way in the NFL, where the GM is subservient to the coach. That the coach is in charge, and the GM is under the coach, but the coach doesn't have time in the NFL to constantly be evaluating players on other teams, evaluating college players, thinking about contracts, thinking about the salary cap. 
They have to have people they trust. But then once the, the GM and those people narrow down some things and bring some things, then the coach has final say. The coach builds the roster with help from those guys. Obviously, Urban Meyer is building the Ohio State roster, but he doesn't have time to narrow it from 300,000 high school kids to 30,000 high school kids to 3,000 high school kids to 300 high school kids to the 30 they're interested in. So someone has to work on that. And I think that's what Mark Pantone does. And it does seem like he's the GM. Now, he's not paid like the GM because we've gotten his – we did this a couple of years ago. We got everybody's salaries. I think we were surprised. What was Mark Pantone making? I think he was making like 80 or 90. It was less than $100,000 a year. Yeah. For what he does and seemingly the responsibility he has – you would think that position may be more well compensated. But I think that's part of what we may see is a growing uh, emphasis on that, which means pay, which means more staffers, which means an understanding of this is just not some guy who's scheduling, um, giving people itineraries for, oh, you're supposed to fly to Florida uh, on the byway. Well, I think the Ohio State fan base in general. Figuring out the players they get. I think he people think he's the boom guy. Right. The who guy? The boom guy boom. who tweets out every time Ohio yeah. State gets a commitment. I don't think – and, like, I wrote a story my first year at Cleveland.com about Mark Pantone and who he is and what he does. And Urban Meyer said multiple times he's the most important assistant that he has. Not assistant, most important staffer. And I compared his salary to Tom Herman's that year, and it was, like, 80000 to 500000 I think that his job has expanded – I think he has less responsibility with some of the things that are monotonous, but more of a greater impact on the team and the talent that they acquire, and I think that's part of what I want to write about. It looks different. It's a system. It's NFL-y, but what is it that is changed, and what has that done in terms of the, you know advancing their recruiting habits? I mean, they just got the best recruiting class in Ohio State history. I don't know why. Did it happen now? Because they said that the reasons they said for why it happened now were the NFL – Real Life Wednesdays, the championship a few years ago, and just having a better overall market. But maybe that's it. Maybe that's part of it. Maybe. What's Pantone's background? Do you know? Like what his deal is? He, he was – this is what – he has no – on his background from what I have seen and what I've written about in the past is that he started as like a recruiting assistant at Florida, and this is kind of how it has – morphed into this. I don't know how he learned how to watch film, and I would well, be interested what, to know. It's always interesting to me, like, when you talk about this from the NFL stamp, it's like, oh, got to have a football guy in the front office. It's like, Mark, is Mark well, Pantone a football guy? Don't get me started on that. <laughs> I don't even know what Mark Pantone was doing when he was 21. Wasn't he a student at Florida? When Urban yeah, 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 yeah. I think that he was just an intern. It's just like a guy who obviously has an interest in football, but as far as I can tell, didn't play it at any significant level. And it's like, Never I wonder, could we, at a significant could level you, could, if we sat with Mark Pantone for a month, could we... Is it just – is there certain things that you just become accustomed to seeing with the top-level players that are easy to identify? I don't know if he's sitting there looking at, like, Jeffrey Okuda's footwork when he's backpedaling <coughs> in the first seven yards of a route is elite or if he can just tell the gap in talent between – there's a lot of things that I think go into watching film. We were talking about this in Indianapolis. Can you just tell who's better based on that or do you think that he has, like, football IQ when it comes to – Footwork and breaks and strength and game playability and understanding of the game and mistakes. and Because they, they, they say they watch the entire game and not just the highlight tape. 
can Mark Pantone say, well, his footwork was terrible when he got beat on that play? I don't know. You know, I don't know. No, I, I don't think, know how I think, goes. I mean, it's very possible that he can. I also think that it's not totally necessary. And because of the major difference between when you're trying to compare Ohio State's player acquisition to that of the NFL is there's no cap. Like, you have to have a finer eye when you're doing it for the NFL because you can't just go get everybody you want and pay them whatever you want. If you're Ohio State, you can just say, here are 50 good players. Maybe we can figure out if number 39 is actually a better number than 43, but it doesn't matter because we can get them both. Does that make sense? I do, but I think they also have to prioritize guys a lot. And I, and I think that going into that, to prioritize who you want at a certain position, you have to be able to separate them. But I think when there's 25 and not, like, 6 which is what you're evaluating in the NFL, or seven draft picks and five free agents, whatever it is, the number's cut in half, at least. And, and maybe they're just the NFL talents field. that they're going for are so up and away better than everybody else that you can't miss. Yeah. Because well, everybody in the NFL draft is good right. to a certain extent. But which ones are going to be all pros? I think I think it would be harder to discover which Mac linebacker is going to be the next Ray Rice. Or, I mean, Ray back. Rice, Ray Lewis. Ray Rice spoke to the team last week, forgive me. Or who, which... Five, four or five star linebacker is going to be a really good college right. player. Right. I feel I don't like know. I'm slowing down a little bit. Yeah, you're toast. I can tell at 27, you're already 35. So you were at 20 at six minutes, and now at 16 minutes, you're at 35. Yeah. Are you full? I mean, I would be, I would be getting toward full in a normal situation. Do you think that you – right now, do you have a prediction for whether you're going to be able to do it? I don't know. See, the plan was never really 80 because when we were going to do – and let me do a little tangent here about how the plan was <laughs> we were going to get a tray of 200 and split it three ways. What did I say was that? 36. 36, yeah. I said 36? Yeah. I feel like I'm going to lose track. 36? I, I said 36 for we sure. You can hit stop and rewind if you want to make sure. So the plan, because now we're going to start saying numbers and now I'm going to lose track. The plan was we were going to split 200 three ways, which was like 66 apiece. And now <laughs> I'm here like a chump doing it by myself because Ari wants to be have a swimsuit body for the summer. <coughs> so I messed everybody up just, because I was supposed to participate in it and I just... I, I don't think I can afford to eat 5,000 calories because I want to, you know. I'm married. Be, I'm not married. I'm the only one in this room that is single and doesn't have to worry about it. There has to worry about it, yeah. you know. So, Plus, you just finished watching The Bachelor, so you got stuff all up in your head about. having. I mean, I think life is easier when you're better looking. That's true. Do you think you pushed it too hard? 20 in six minutes is a lot. When yeah. in reality, all you had to do was eat two a minute. Right. But, like, I think that if you eat slower, you get fuller faster. Aren't you supposed to eat fast so your body doesn't recognize how much food you've eaten? Oh, I don't know. I, don't, I, don't I haven't know watched Man vs. Food in a while. <laughs> I don't know Did you read up on how Kobayashi does, does it? No. He also had a snack this afternoon, so you're not coming in that hungry, I don't think. I mean, I was hungry. I was hungrier than I usually am at dinner. But I wasn't, like, ravenous. You know what I mean? So anyway... Are you going to eat all the extra pieces of breading that are falling off the side of the nuggets? That's the best part. Yeah. Yeah, seriously. Those are freebies. <laughs> so, I actually... If we could go back a little bit. I think it's possible that Michigan may be somewhat significantly more structured as an NFL program than Ohio State is. 
Because one thing is, is Michigan, the head guy, came straight from the league. And Urban Meyer, for all he's done, has never been part of that. So I think it's weird we view Jim Harbaugh in a weird way sometimes because we think of him like running around without his shirt on and like saying, I love football and whatever. And he seems like a guy who coaches kids, right, in some way. Right. But he coached millionaires very, very, very successfully. And the Niners fell apart when he left. And he had him in the Super Bowl. So he absolutely knows how to win on the highest level. And so I think even though he's more made his name with a lot of the ingenuity he's shown in recruiting, in the signing day uh, extravaganza, in the satellite camps, all that kind of stuff, stuff that really has nothing to do with the NFL, um, I think there probably may be things that Michigan does in terms of its approach to football that are more NFL structured than, than Ohio State is because Jim Harbaugh did that every day for several years and Urban Meyer never has. Probably. Do you think – I've certainly seen colleges that have this set up, um, Michigan being one of them. That's why I'm asking this. But is the idea of like offensive coordinator but also passing game coordinator, running game coordinator, do you think that's an NFL thing? I think that's a thing that Harbaugh brought with them from the NFL that some colleges also happen to do or do you think that's just – not necessarily one way or the other. I just think it's because he has the offensive coordinator, but then he has Pep Hamilton, whose title is passing game coordinator, and Greg Fry or Frey, whose title is run game coordinator. And like Ohio State doesn't have that. Ohio State has co offensive coordinators, but don't they don't break it down that specifically run game passing game. I didn't know if that was like an NFL thing or not. I would have, yeah. I mean, I would have guessed, you know, when it was Tom Herman and Ed Warner, and it worked here. I'm guessing it was more Tom Herman, as the quarterback's coach, dealt more with the passing game. Right, and just without the title. Ed Werner, as the O-line coach, dealt more with the run game. Um, yeah, but I don't know. But, I mean, that was a big – Pep Hamilton was worked for – was the Browns' offensive coordinator last year, and Jim Harbaugh just stole him away. Yeah, he didn't get – like, Ryan, get De- Ryan Day is Ohio State's quarterback's coach because Ryan Day didn't have a job, and Bill Davis didn't have a job. And Greg Schiano could have had a job but didn't have a job. And Harbaugh stole an NFL offensive coordinator. Uh, and he had a relationship with him from Stanford. Right. He stole his friend. but and, and Pep Hamilton was an offensive coordinator with no play-calling responsibilities with the Browns because Hugh Jackson, as the head coach, calls the plays. And so it was maybe more attractive to go to Michigan. But that was kind of a big deal. You know, and that's the kind of thing. Because I, I think part of what, why we wanted to talk about this was we think this is enticing to recruits, right, and enticing to yeah. college football players. But when you take a active coordinator off an NFL team, even if it's the worst team in the NFL, which the Browns were, that's still kind of a big deal. I think. I, mean, I think we talk a lot about recruits for obvious reasons, <coughs> but I think there's a difference between the evolution of your recruiting office and running your football team during the season like an NFL football team. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the distinction that we're trying to make. And I don't know if running a college football – I think it's a debatable thing of whether or not running a college football team like a pro team is the right thing to do. For sure. Because I think that when you're a professional and you're getting paid and it's your job and you're there every day and you don't have class and all these different things, that they, the only thing they have to worry about all day in the pros is being a better football player. And sometimes I wonder when you're talking about 18 to 21-year-old kids – if they're able to manage that schedule when they have all those other responsibilities. And I think there has to be a sweet spot there. But I would guess right now that Michigan probably runs their program like an NFL program more than Ohio State does. I wonder if 
I guess along those lines, like if you were to present to Urban Meyer, we think you we run we think you run your program like an NFL franchise. If you would take that as a compliment, or if he doesn't want it to feel that way, because we're dealing with amateur athletes and not guys who are paid millions of dollars. I think it's fun to use the NFL stats in the draft for them in a recruiting. Of course, yeah. But I don't know if that means that they think running their team to win a national championship at the college level should be done the way that the Buffalo Bills run their offseason. Yeah, and I don't I don't know if I get the vibe for like I and I'm not around Alabama at all, but I get the sense that Alabama is kind of like a no frills kind of deal. Like if anyone runs their program like an NFL team, I'd imagine it's Alabama. I think Ohio State still does a lot of things that remind you that it, while it's operating at the highest level of college, it's still a college program. Real life Wednesdays. Real life Wednesdays. They go out on the field on Fridays in gym shorts and play with a tennis ball for two hours. And that's, <laughs> that's a practice. I don't know what they're doing. Yeah. <laughs> I still don't know what they're doing. So that, I don't, they haven't, at least from that on the field aspect and day to day operation, I don't think they fully embrace the NFL NFLification. Is that what we're calling it? NFLification. It's going to be in the uh, headline when I write it because I think yeah. it's cool. What do we have here? He's don't talk to him while he's counting. He's counting his tray. I think the fact that he's not even. More, it doesn't I think there's more than eighty here. As much as we thought it looked easy, I'm at, have myself at forty done. And I think there's more than 40 left. One, two. I think we have a. a we were wondering a whether there would be a scandal that did Chick fil A possibly short me on my tray. I think I might have gotten extra nugs, which normally would be a cause yeah. for celebration. Well, here's the thing the fact that he's counting them right now, I think is an indication that we're really slowing down here. Right. That's what I, that was what I was getting to. It's a bad sign. It's a bad yeah. sign. You want to be the guy. Also, this might be uh, the first time in the history of podcasts anywhere that someone has counted chicken nuggets. One, two. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I have forty in my body, and forty-nine still on the tray. Just count them, and baby. Twenty in my teenager, and twenty in my fourth grader. <laughs> Did you? Were you careful when you counted their nuggets? I was super careful. I used tongs and went one by one <laughs> and counted them out. One, one, two, two. So you have nine more than you should. <laughs> the thing that I want to know he is that, like, so is it fair to say there are nine extra nuggets? But like, there are some that like look like two nuggets. Like, what the hell is that? Yeah. Is that just extra yeah. breading? Yeah, I, yeah. I, we might have to get a ruling on some of these. I'm going to try to eat the ones first where there's no controversy. Okay. Because the last thing I want is to do this and then there to be controversy around it. Which there would be. Do you think you're going to get to eighty again? Because you're, you're lollygagging. The original goal was never 80. In my head, the goal is all about doing my fair share of the, doing 66. So that's what I would like to shoot for. Because to me, that feels like my fair share. And then I think beyond that is bonus nug time. I buy that. Okay. So you're at 40 at the moment. 40. I mean, We're 26 minutes into the podcast. Yeah. Would you like us to stretch this one? Should this be an hour and 15-minute podcast? I know. We go an hour and 15 minutes every time. I feel like you guys are going to wrap it up in like 42 minutes. We're like, oh, I guess we're done. I mean, I'm done talking. So if we want to yeah, wrap I it up. Now, yeah, I, I don't really know. We've spent the, like the last three minutes like marveling at your chicken tray. So, um, Do we have questions? We have a we lot do. of questions. Do a fake ad. Do a fake ad. Well, okay. I, I'm going to start. <coughs> Let's just do a few questions and then we'll do the fake ad because we haven't talked about football enough. The first question from Nikki Unders. Nikki Unders. Unders is what Wait, is Doug wearing? Let's uh, let's let's, <laughs> let's set a baseline here before we get the questions. How much hoops do we want to talk, or do we want to keep it the full? Oh, I think I was going to see if you guys want to do a separate quick hoop podcast. 
Yeah, let's do a separate. I don't episode. think people like it when we mix it together. I don't think so either. So let's stick the football. In a so Oops on the way Mickey back. Unders, he's wearing a Disney track jacket, which is the answer every time you ask that question. Yeah. Do you think Urban will get the backup quarterbacks more live reps this year with it definitely being JT's last season? That's a great question. He should. More. Oh, he means in games. Right, okay. They're terrible about taking JT out. Yeah. They're awful at it. There were, there were, he did, they did take him out a little bit last year, but you got to get Dwayne Haskins. You got to get Dwayne Haskins some live reps, man. I mean, and I don't know why he does it sometimes. And we had the famous Braxton Miller argument in 2012 about taking him out early or not taking him out early. It's famous. And, you know, the guy, you're there to play college football, whatever, but I think when there's two parts of the equation, and it's not just keeping your starter healthy. It's also getting the next guy reps for when it's his turn because the guy's a fifth-year senior. That adds an urgency to it, I think. That, And I don't feel like they ever – do you guys feel like they ever kept quarterbacks in to, like, pad their numbers for Heisman things? I don't know why because <clears throat> the one the one that sticks out to me is the Maryland game last year. when They were up, like, 52 to nothing or something like that in the third quarter, and JT Barrett was still in there. And it made no sense to me. I think that's crazy. I think if you're padding numbers, then you would be more willing to talk about it. Like if that was their goal, we're going to leave JT in in the third quarter of the Maryland game because we want him to get two more touchdowns for his Heisman campaign. Then if somebody asks you about the Heisman Trophy the next week, you wouldn't dismiss it. Right. I think. I don't know. I, I don't know if a coach is ever going to jeopardize their season to pad Heisman stats. I mean, it could have just been that like JT really wasn't playing well at all all year, and the games that, that he was on a roll, so don't, don't take him out and see if it can carry over. I, I mean, yeah. which I guess is somewhat valid given how he played last year, but ideally you don't want to be in that situation. And I think, I mean, if you think about the schedule, they play UNLV and Army in the first three games, mm-hmm. two of the first three games. They should be in situations where at halftime, JT Barrett, Barrett should be done. And Joe Burrow and Dwayne Haskins should each get a quarter. And, and sometimes I wonder, really like, wrong. in a season where your quarterback isn't playing as well as people want him to, if you remove him and then Haskins comes in and throws good. three touchdowns on three drives, then it creates a discussion that <clears> they don't want to have. Yeah, even, even if it's, if it's already a blowout against the backup. Yeah. If people see the backup playing really well, that invites a conversation that maybe Urban Meyer doesn't want to have. But I also feel like they need to play both. Because, like, yes. whatever happened with Burrow and Haskins, whoever is technically number two – in my mind, they're going to be co-number twos because they're going to be basically even in the race to be the starting quarterback when JT Barrett is gone. So you don't have one guy who needs to get reps. You have two guys, two guys who need to get reps. How do you think that, like, so let me present a scenario to you. So you say, can't die from eating nuggets, right? I don't know. I don't think so. I'm so, not going to have a heart attack from eating Here's the thing. If you're, like, nuggets. pulverized, don't be a hero. Stop. Just, yeah, just stop. stop. You but just I, couldn't okay. do it. That's it. I just don't have a heart attack. I don't care if I puke. And you were looking, actually, when you came in, like, I think you look slim right now. It's the hair. And I don't know if it's because your hair is less shaggy than it was before, but, like, you look... I mean, you just got done walking a marathon. You see the (laughs) the word I hear? Yeah, Yeah, okay. I just wanted to interject real quick because I didn't want to hold off on that question. And then keel over and be like, oh, I should ask those guys. Okay, so you think I'm okay. I do think you're okay. All right, I'm sorry. Are you you pulverized? okay. Because you only had like two more since the last, right? Where I know, are you at? Not, not pulverized. What are you at? What's your 42. number? 42. Getting full. Getting full. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. I Next question. Eat ask. that one. That one yeah. looks good. I don't have – I got a lot of basketball questions. 
Let me see. Really? I only got like, can you guys never talk about basketball again as a basketball coach? Well, I'm, they know that I'm the basketball beat writer. Whoop, whoop. And I have all the knowledge. Um, I have a, here's a here's a football question I got from Mike Fitzpatrick, Fitzbit64 on Twitter. How big of a role do we think the Mario McCall has in the offense um, this fall? A major role, a minor role, or mop-up time like he had last year? More than that, for sure. More than mop-up time. But there's a difference between major role and a guy who touches the ball 30 times next year. What would you define – what would you call the – when Dontre was Wil- Wilson was healthy, what would you call his role? Major. Major. Okay. I think that's on the table. Eight to ten touches every game, or six. I think to 10 if you have eight game. to ten touches in a game where your offense is running sixty plays, that's a major role. I mean, Dontre Wilson's role when healthy was far less than Curtis Samuel. Right. But I'm envision. I would guess that there will not be an H who gets the amount of touches that Curtis Samuel got last year. Obviously, yeah. yeah. Right. The H's in general probably won't get as many touches because Curtis Samuel was the whole offense at times last year. So I'm just envisioning that if De- if Demario McCall gets snaps at H and isn't just the backup running back, then between KJ Hill, Eric Lever Williams, and Demario McCall, they'll all have a role of the offense that will be t- be between somewhere between minor and major. No. Yeah, I guess that the issue for would be like. You have McCall, you have Superman. Superman! If K.J. Hill is going to be less of just a slot guy and more of an H-back, and then like if Paris Campbell is going to play some H, which I think we all think might be possible, <laughs> you have four guys repping at one position rather than like one and a half, which it was last year because Dontre Wilson could never really get healthy and get on the field. Um, just because of the bodies, maybe it's possible that, that Demario McCall doesn't have a major role. But I think even if he gets... I mean, I think, I think that's what he is a starter as a role. Do you think he has a chance to be the starting H? Sure. That's a major role. Yeah. I don't know if breaking it up by touches is always the right thing to do. I think just to define what major is. Because yeah, like, no, Harris Campbell have a major role last year? Yes. I, yeah, probably. And he didn't have a ton of touches. He was on the field for last snaps. Yeah. Evan Spencer had a major role. He didn't touch the ball that much. Right. Right. That's true. Okay. So we think you'll have a major role, then? I do. Okay. I think I agree with that. And I, I am... Let me can, let's take this one step a little bit further because I don't have a lot of questions. But like, do you think he has superstardom in him? Yeah, I, I like talked to him a little bit about that at the Fiesta Bowl, Fiesta Bowl Media Day. He was really funny. I think I think he has superstar potential in the fact, in the sense that like, if he can be good enough that he like gets in front of cameras, if that makes sense, he's a very captivating personality that people will fall in love with. I don't know what kind of on-field success you have to be to be a guy that gets in front of a camera. But, like, Tyvis Powell, I thought, became a little bit of a media darling in Ohio State's playoff run. And I don't think he was necessarily a dynamic player on the field. It was just when cameras finally got in front of him, people realized what he was. McCall is that kind of guy, but McCall, I think, also was going to have a much more of a tangible impact on the field because he's going to have the ball in his hands. So I think he is a potential superstar. People like fast. It's, people like fast. It's interesting to think about how good Curtis Samuel ended up being. Because certainly his first two years, Curtis Samuel flashed as a true freshman when he had a limited role, um, obviously hindered by injuries his sophomore year and by having Braxton Miller and other guys there that were ahead of him. 
Um, but I don't know that anybody necessarily predicted that Curtis Samuel was going to carry the offensive load like that. So that is a Curtis Samuel has said, and Urban Meyer said it a lot last year. He's the best H. He's had since Percy Harvard, whatever the, the, the most true, real H that kind of role. Um, that is, he has now set a very high bar for what an Ohio State H back should be. So I don't think that the Demario McCall threshold is be Curtis Samuel because I don't know that we'll see someone from that position put up a Curtis Samuel like season again for a while. Maybe never under Urban Meyer at Ohio State from that position because I like because I think he was helped by there being a lack of outside receivers as well, right? That's my point is I don't think that Urban Meyer would want that. And that was really good, but he, if you have Trayvon Grimes and Jalen Harris and Austin Mack and Ben Victor, then your H-back is not going to catch 63 passes or whatever it was. 70-something, yeah. He had 700 yards rushing and 700 yards receiving. I, yeah, I don't think that's in the cards from McCall. But to be a superstar, you don't have to do that, right? No. Yeah. Right. You could, you could be a superstar, very well-known – very important part of the team in front of the cameras, NFL prospect without having a courtesy. Without having 1,400 yards. Okay, so I've got a little bit of a mini rant. When we ask you guys for questions on Twitter, I don't like the people who favorite it and retweet it and then don't ask a question. I don't get it. Is that weird? Okay, I got a question. <laughs> that wasn't a rant. I agree with that. I don't understand why they do it. I don't think I can do it. I'm just getting worried I'm going to have a heart attack. What are you at right now? 44. If I think you should at least try to get to 50 so you can say you ate 50. <clears throat> yeah. If you got this far, then I think you should at least force 50 push down. Push it to 50. Do I have batter? Do I have... Do I have... Your heart is fried, basically, yeah. Well, we'll take care of you. We'll get you to the hospital. My ventricle is just stacked with batter. Okay. Okay. Next question from Derek Abbott at Funky Moses 17 Nice name. Does Tate Martell take over as the backup, or do you see him redshirting and then supposedly starting in 2018? That guy really likes Tate Martell. Is that Tate Martell's secret yeah. Twitter Tate name? Martell really likes Tate Martell, so maybe that was him or something. Then, yeah. uh, Derek, he's not going to be the backup this year, and I think he's going to have to fight to get on the field in 2018. I don't even think that's a debate. Can I ask a question? Right. You were at JT Barrett when we talked to JT Barrett yeah. last week, and you wrote a little story about JT Barrett making a joke about Tate Martell and saying this isn't Bishop Gorman anymore. Yeah. Did you get any vibe from JT Barrett that JT Barrett had any real – you know, it's fine. I'm not trying to like start something. But did you get any vibe that JT Barrett was like, listen, kid, like relax, like wait your turn. This isn't – you're going to step in and be a superstar. Like was he totally joking or do you think JT Barrett, on initial impressions from Tate Martell, thinks Tate Martell is maybe a little bit swaggerific for a first-year guy? I got it that he was joking. He was asked specifically about him. He didn't just bring it up. Um, a lot of people are like, JT, just shut your mouth and get better. Like, you know, Who said that? Every stupid, single comment on Cleveland.com. Um, <laughs> but I took it as a – he had a rough few days. He's just learning. I'm taking him under my wing, joking tone. I don't know if his tone would have been the same if you asked about Haskins. I don't think there was an indication there that Tate Martell is acting too proud or too I'm the crap type of thing. I think it was him teasing a younger teammate. Okay. I, I wasn't there, but I would not be surprised if 
what Doug is describing was actually the case. But it's okay, right? I don't Neither know. is fine. Yeah, I think if yeah. you're Ohio State, you probably want Tate Martell thinking right. that he's Joe Montana right now. So, so yeah. But Tate Martell did jump in on Twitter and say, well, let's let the fans decide and let's have an open practice. And I thought that was kind of... Tate dude, Martell what? loves him. Tate Martell tweeted Martell. after that story, ah, JT Barrett's comments, ha ha, let's have an open practice with the media and let them decide who is better. He huh. did? Yeah, and then he deleted it. What? <laughs> I totally missed that. I didn't see that either. Yeah, no. Well, uh, off your story? It's in my story. I don't know if it was my story. Other people wrote it, but... No. I put it in my story. Oh, so. then JT Barrett meant it. <laughs> but then again, you can't tell the tone. I think, and we have we talked to Tate Martell on signing day. Yep, I wasn't at his table. I was. What was he like? Very low key, like downplaying it. I thought, like, I felt like he said redshirt openly. Like, I don't think he even. Yeah, I thought he was like super. Like, I'm super trying to be humble because I know I can't come in here and like light it up in my first time him talking to the media. But he clearly wants to. Mm-hmm. Should he? Because I've talked to him on no. the phone during his okay. recruitment a I few think times. Because I think it'd be entertaining. He said some really interesting, awesome things, <coughs> and I think that's better. I think that's good. If you watch the the show that he's on, it's called QB One. Terrible title for a television show. That is a terrible title. Um, it's by the guy who uh, helps Mark Wahlberg make those movies where they make money off uh, human tragedies. Um, <laughs> But anyway, if you watch that show, you get to Peter Berg's name. You get a sense for like who Tate Martell really is. And I'm not saying this is bad, but like he's not the guy you were just describing, the humble, I'm going to redshirt, I'm going to be a good soldier kind of dude. Um, he is, let's have an open tryout with JT Barrett. So I, I, I don't know how much his personality should be curtailed, I guess is what I'm getting at. I think he should be let... Left to be who he is to a certain extent. Now, maybe he doesn't go on Twitter after every game and criticize his coaching staff for not putting him in the game, but I think stuff short of that is okay, yeah. in my opinion. I don't know. It's hard when you're a, when you're a quarterback who doesn't play. You know, at almost any other position, um, it's hard when you're a quarterback who doesn't play. I mean, I, I'm to me, if we saw an open practice, they said, "Let's okay, hey, quarterback, yeah, let's go." Yeah. I can imagine like Tate Martell, like takes a snap. Is live, drops back. Um, Sam Hubbard and Tyquan Lewis come in to pressure him. He like ducks under one sack attempt, spins out of another, slides out of the pocket, is like pointing for receivers to get open, wings like a sidearm throw 30 yards down the field, and like Eric Smith steps in front of it and runs it back for a touchdown. <laughs> like one of like yeah. one of those it's like looks at, nice. At Norman, it's a 60-yard touchdown. Here it's like, okay, well, the safety knew exactly where you're going to throw it. Like, good luck right. with that. You know, which is fine. But, again, this is that's why a lot of true freshmen yeah. don't come in and start in college football. Okay, I've got more. Good, because I don't have any. Uh, John Mackin, J-A-M-A-K-A-N-7. How do you guys feel about Ohio State opening with a conference road game? Um... I think it's weird, but I like it. I think it. I uh, I thought they were they were helped a lot last year by having to play Bowling Green and Tulsa before they went and played Oklahoma, and they were able to figure some things out in those two games before they went on the road. And we're probably preparing for Oklahoma in August because you don't need to prepare that much for Bowling Green and Tulsa, frankly. And I don't know how good Indiana is going to be, but I think opening with a real game 
uh, we're going to learn a lot about Ohio State. I think we're going to learn more about Ohio State from the first game this season than we've learned from the first game, mm. I guess, any of the last two seasons. They opened at Virginia Tech that year. Yeah, but there weren't questions. It was like they bought back the entire national championship team and they beat them by 50. Like We all knew that was going to happen. That's true. I mean, I, since college football doesn't have preseason, I get opening with a soft opponent and giving everybody a chance to like get their feet under them for a game and work some things out. I actually think that's a very reasonable thing to do. Um, but if the TV networks want programming in week one, and if you're going to play Virginia Tech in week one some year, then why not play a conference game? So the Big Ten wants early season programming because they they hit it with the Big Ten network and then also with their ESPN partners and stuff where they had some awful weekends a couple of these years where there's literally no good game. Yeah. So the SEC has done it. The SEC always has a game or two in conference play to start the season. But it's always a stinker. It's like South Carolina versus Vanderbilt. But but every but they play it up. Yeah. Like it gets primetime coverage. So I get I get why the Big Ten is doing it. And like if Ohio State loses at Indiana, then come back and ask Urban Meyer if yeah. an idea or not. <laughs> Do you like it? Do you not care? I think that it's interesting because even on the non-conference big-time primetime games, if you slip up and lose, you always have the chance to rebound and, and win your conference. I think it's interesting when your conference life, where one loss, as we found out last year, can ruin. Depending on who it's to. Right. Yeah. I think losing a conference game is worse than losing to Virginia Tech. So, yeah. Yeah. And it's not like Indiana is Michigan, but... You know, I, I do not, think that there is yeah. a lot at stake immediately for a team that you might not know a lot about. But I think Ohio State's going to win, and I think it's possible that Kevin Wilson has some fun in that game if things are going the right way for Ohio State. But I do think that there's more at stake than opening a, in a big-time non-conference game. I have questions that were people sent to Doug, and I'm just pulling them up because Doug's got nuggets on my he's lap. Got, he's got nuggets going on. I have I have batter. I have a batter headache. Um, I can feel like the corn oil. Pulsing through my synapses in my brain. These were I thought these were two really good questions. The first one was G Nil. G Nilly. G Nilly's G Nilly's got a bunch. G Nilly is gonna be a co-host on this podcast one day. Um and I don't know which of his I should ask. I don't know if I could do this because I was I haven't been around on the beat that long, but he wants you to rank these quarterbacks Troy Smith, Terrell Pryor, Braxton Miller, JT Barrett. I was thinking about that. I saw that question come in and I mean, there are some cop-outs in there of, well, whose offense are you running? Who's the coach? Uh, what are you looking for? Whatever. But I'm going to assume it. Here's how I'm going to take that question. I'm going to take it as those quarterbacks at their best playing for Urban Meyer this season. Is that an okay way to do it? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Yeah, because you have to I have an opinion about level. this too. Am I allowed to answer it? Yeah, after yeah. you, you have to yeah. level the playing field somehow. I think so. Um, all right. So do you know you know who the four are. You heard the four. Yeah, I heard. Yeah. All right. Who uh, who would you put last? Let's go in reverse. JT order. Barrett. Me too. I would also put JT last. I have an opinion, and not as fully informed as you guys, but I've seen all these guys play football before. Yeah. I would put JT last. Who would you put third? Uh, Terrell. Troy Smith. Braxton. I would put Braxton third. Okay. Who would you put? All right. So now, okay. So so who's your number one now? Mine's Pryor. Troy Smith. 
I'm like really close. I'm. I think it's very close, but I think I would go Pryor on that side because Pryor didn't get to run an offense like this, and there were things that Pryor did. Um, the game, the Iowa game, like the one time on fourth down when he just like ran around and like made a fourth and ten, I think. Yeah. And made it on a run, and then like threw a pass, like the next nice. play or something. And they won. Yeah. Um, Troy as a senior was unbelievable, and Troy before he was a senior was unbelievable because Troy ran around and made plays with his feet as he was developing as a quarterback. Um, Troy was unbelievable. So we always talk about in this offense, you need to be able to run, and I think Troy Smith, who did not run at all in two thousand six by choice, could run. Yes. And I think he is by far and away, without question, the reason why I put him number one is he's by far, without question, the best passer of the four. And I think that there are there's some debate as who the best runner was with some of those. And I think that, like, Terrell – because Terrell Pryor was the craziest freak athlete. Right. Braxton Miller was the most elusive. I think both of them interchangeably probably threw the ball similarly. I think Braxton might have been a better passer than Terrell. I think that Troy Smith was up and away the best passer – and I think in this offense, being able to pass the ball that way, I think you could live with him being the third best runner because he was still a pretty good runner. I think it would have been interesting to see Troy run zone read in the Urban Meyer offense. I can't imagine him being because really good at it. Because we also have to think about who it. the smartest is too, right? I mean, I can see, to me, or who ran Troy is the best of JT Barrett. <clears throat> which is why I would put JT Barrett fourth because the best stuff that JT Barrett does is run this offense, run the zone read, make decisions, do all that stuff, right? Troy at his best, I think would have diced And Troy's up. the only one that had a chance and played as a starter or as a quarterback in the NFL. I mean, well, Terrell started for, for, right, a, right, for a while. Right. But, but yeah, I mean, Troy got, Troy got mono in training camp with the Ravens and then Joe Flacco took the job and that was it. But Troy, like... I think there's an alternate universe where Troy Smith might have a decent career as an NFL quarterback. Um, I think Terrell, in, a, in an offense that asked him to run, I mean, talking about the zone read, can you imagine Terrell Pryor keeping? Well, that's why I put him first. And then it yeah. just like, oh, my God, here the defensive end bit on the running back. Here we go. Plus, Terrell's a pretty good arm. Terrell's a pretty good arm. So he can throw the deep ball, but I, but think I know that, Troy yeah. can, throw the deep, can throw the deep ball too. But I think um, I think it's like the unknown element for me, like because you, you saw Troy Smith at his best, and like you know what he could be, and that's how, like he'd be awesome in this offense. I think the unknown of like what would Terrell Pryor look like if he ever got a chance to play in this to me is like very enticing. But you've covered all these offenses, uh-huh. and I know we're putting them in the context of this year's offense. I think you could make the argument that despite the fact that all of Urban's teams have all the offensive records. That Ohio State's never seen a better offense from a balance standpoint, a passing standpoint, a timing standpoint than the end of 05 and 06. And maybe I'm nuts, but Troy Smith won the Heisman. I think I'm riding with Troy Smith. It's pretty sound I logic. Mean, <laughs> Terrell, I don't know and Terrell had some good receivers. I mean, Terrell was throwing like Dane Sansenbacher and Devere Posey, who were like, if last year's Ohio State team had Devere Posey and Dane Sansenbacher, like they won, might have won the national championship. Like, like dude, they were really good. And Troy was throwing to Troy was throwing Ted Ginn, Ted Junior, Gonzalez, and 05 to Antonio Holmes. Yeah, that like, is that's the, really good. They had three 
in 05, their three top three receivers were all future number one draft picks, which is like, again, insane when you think about where the Ohio State passing game was last year. I love quarterback talk. I love it. But I yeah. think I think just because he's tall, I mean, I think we saw Terrell, I think at his best would have been some version of Cardale Jones, but a more natural runner. Yeah. Um, that Cardale's big thing was that the offense, I don't think, adapted to him as a thrower and did the things that he did best, and then he just wasn't as natural in his own read. So it's hard. I mean, like maybe that's not exactly the question either because – Running the zone read effectively is a very is an acquired skill. You can't just assume anybody can do it because Braxton didn't do it that well. That's why I Braxton third. Braxton was not a tr- was not a always a great passer. He was, could be a good passer, but he wasn't as natural in the zone read making the decisions as JT is. He just wanted to keep it. I just got he's one that wanted to keep it and go crazy. Yeah. So we don't know what Troy Smith or Terrell Pryor necessarily would have been like. I just got like seventeen more quarterback questions. But here's one more question because I love this topic. If you could take all three of all four of those quarterbacks and build your Ohio State football team around them any way you wanted to to do it, would your answer change? No. If you got them as a freshman and you get them for three years and you could build your team any way you wanted to build them, which quarterback would you want to build your college team around? Here's the thing: if I had great weapons, if I knew I had great weapons, You're Ohio State. The wet, well, but, but Ohio State had no receivers last year. Right. If I knew I had great weapons the way Troy Smith had great weapons, I think I would take Troy Smith to be the point guard and the way he played in 06 where he didn't have to run a ton, but he ran that offense and could make plays great, could really make the throw and could do something with his legs. If I didn't have great weapons, if I didn't have Ted Ginn Jr. and I didn't have – a great offensive line and a great running game, then I might take Terrell. Because sometimes, we saw it a lot with Jim Trestle, where they said, okay, it's third down. The play call is do something, Terrell. And then Terrell did it. Yeah. yeah. I have I this ultimate that, world where if Braxton would have come to Ohio State and played for Trestle in the same offense, that Braxton would have been a better version of Troy. But that never happened. And he his offense changed, and that was it. But... If we you weren't asking Braxton to do the same read. If you were having Braxton in that offense. More of a pro style. He didn't have to be, yeah. Braxton then, was the most gifted runner out of all of them. All he did for two question. years was like improvise and like right. make stuff up. I've never fly, seen right? anybody at Ohio State run the ball the way that he ran it from... I mean, go watch his highlight tape. I think it's easy to forget. But we have more current Ohio State quarterback questions. And we did an entire... Ohio State quarterback podcast, but we'll throw you a bone. We've done multiple, and we'll do more because they Because this is all fifty-three minutes, by the way. Yeah, I'm not going to make sixty. Yeah, well, you've yeah. stopped eating. You haven't eaten anything in like ten minutes. I know. What and I think that when you stop, then you can't keep going. I think it's a flow thing. What number nugget is that? Forty-eight. 48. I think you should at least get to fifty and hang your head up high. How in depth are these questions? Because we can say we did an we did an entire podcast have, on this next. We one. want to keep it under an hour or fifty. Okay, minutes. fine. No more questions. No, I want to ask one more. Okay, from uh, James Octavius. If JT Barrett was a food, what food would he be? Say your answer. I thought your I answer was good. My answer is insulting. Oh, the insulting. Okay, yeah. I no, thought he was. Not, a, it's not insulting it's not, because okay. we're on the we're on the same wavelength. We just picked different foods. Okay, I took my. Food was a Easter peep. Marshmallow peeps. The marshmallow peeps because at first they look good and the first one tastes good and then you get sick of them fast. That is kind of insulting. 
But it's not an indictment on JT. It's not saying the way that fans view him. Yeah. Oh. I'm not saying I'm sick of him. I'm just saying people are sick of him. That's a fact. All right. You're eating peeps next week. I don't like peeps at all, except the first one. I think maybe we would eat five. My answer was broccoli, because we talked about this before you got here, Doug. My answer was broccoli, because everyone hates it, but it's good for you. Uh, You have to make it a chicken nugget, (laughs) because... All I can see, the only food in the world that exists to me is chicken, <laughs> chicken nuggets. nuggets. It's a chicken I, nugget because you love them, but don't try to eat 50 of them. I was going to say uh, like a slow-cooked like slow cooked, like, Texas barbecue. Oh, yeah. Because okay. like, just like you gotta kind of got to sit around and like wait for it. But then like it's pretty good when you get it, but it's like, you know, it's not like a quick and easy kind of thing. Kind of got to work for it a little bit. Yeah. I'll buy that. Smoked meat. Except he almost broke every single passing touchdown record in the history of the college football as a freshman. That's true. <laughs> yeah, that is true. Okay, let's stop talking. Now, now sure, you guys are going to cut five minutes off. Screw me on my nuggets. How right. many are you at? I just want you to get the 50. 49. I don't care once you get the 50. We're off Doug time. Once I you do feel like I want to pass out. I would probably bet every dollar I have in my bank account, and I know that I ruined the entire concept of what today was supposed to be. It's supposed to be a team effort, but I can totally outdo you. Do you think you could eat 50? I don't know. I uh, think I could put down more food than you. I get full very quickly. For as large of a human as I am, I, I hit a wall pretty fast. I think I'd beat both of you. I, You've seen me do some impressive stuff. I've seen you do unbelievable things, yeah. <laughs> Which is why I have to not eat them now, because I want to be able to go in public in July. Right. But I, Ari, yeah. you're, Ari's either on the like <laughs> ten wings, mott sticks, and macaroni pe- and cheese bites, and a pizza, or like grilled salmon and lettuce. Yeah, there's no in between. It's pretty good to fluctuate your body weight the way I do. I'm gonna live a long time. <laughs> is, it, is it good? Yeah, is it good to weigh fifty pounds more in December than you do in June every year? Every year? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Did the, did the nuggets enhance or take away from the podcast? I think I that you were really geared up for it, and I'm happy that you were able to do it. I thought it enhanced it, yeah. Did it add drama? Did I think I think dramatic? people are really into food challenges. There was a person who got famous on the Discovery Channel for it, so. And then he stopped because it was destroying his body. I think well, he stopped because he said some insensitive things on the internet and got fired, but. No, the man versus food guy? Yeah. He stopped doing the challenges himself because doctors told him he was. Well, I thought himself. Man vs. Food got canceled because he For told real? somebody on the internet something. Po- uh, that's possible, but before that, oh. he stopped eating. He w- it was like he oh. traveled the country and other people did eating challenges, and he watched them because turns out having thirteen milkshakes once a week was not a good thing for your body. All right, I'm out. You had fifty though. Fifty. That's that's something to be proud of. And now you're. Fifty's gonna, pretty you good. You think you're sick of them, or do you think you can tomorrow you're going to wake up and go go time? I don't know. I kind of have a headache. <laughs> like if you, but if you said if you put a gun in my mouth and said you have to eat ten nuggets in the next five minutes, I think I could. could do you, it. Did you do twenty? Yeah. It's I mean, fine. I, it's fine. The entire Ohio State fan base isn't watching you or anything. Oh my god, I'm dizzy a little bit. Fifty nuggets in fifty-seven, fifty-eight minutes. That's pretty good. I'm impressed. See, because I feel like the idea was that not necessarily that it was an eating challenge. It was more just like a normal dude with some nuggets. How many can he eat? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's just testing the human limits, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm not like dipping them in water. And, right. You know. All right, wrap it up, man. Ugh. Okay, so I'm the host because Doug is pulverized. Thank Ugh. you so much for listening to our latest edition of Buckeye. I think we're growing. 
I think you we guys are enjoying it. Yeah, we enjoy we really doing these. Oh, um, it's a good yeah. way for us to, I feel like, talk out our story ideas. So we appreciate everybody who reads and listens and watches and everything that we do. For Bill and Dead Doug, I'm Ari. Thanks for listening. Buckeye Talk. <laughs>